Well, good morning. I'm Rod Callajan, pastor here at Redeemer, and we're glad that you're here with us this morning. Thank you for choosing to uh, join us for this Easter worship service. Um, if you're a first-time guest with us this morning, a special word of welcome to you. We have an information center out in the lobby. We invite you to stop there to uh, pick up a free gift before you leave, and uh, we'd love to have a chance to meet you, if that's even possible, this morning in the, in the crowd of folks. But thank you for coming. In the worship folder, there is a communication card. We invite you to reach in, pull that out, and uh, let us know of your presence with us. That's really helpful to know that you are here on the back space to uh, share a message to our staff or a prayer concern so that we can be praying for you. So you can drop this card in the offering plate later in this morning's service. This week I heard a celebrity host on a radio show expressing her opinion that religion in general and especially Easter, in her words, this whole resurrection thing was a lie it's a story that Christians have made up over the years to make themselves feel better about life. In fact, she said the whole Bible, in her opinion, was a collection of myths and fables and had no real basis in fact. And then she went on to admit that she grew up in the Roman Catholic tradition, went to Catholic school, was very religious at one point in her life, and then in her words, she got over all of that. Well, I don't know what might have turned her off to uh, religious beliefs, but I do know that there are a lot of people in our culture today who do think the same way. And uh, today you may be here and you're a believer and uh, all of this just seems to make sense to you. And maybe you're here today and you're a bit of a skeptic and you're still wondering and not sure about some things about God and faith and the Bible. Today we gather on what is probably the most sacred day in the entire church year. It's the day we celebrate the fact that Jesus was put to death by people who didn't understand what he stood for. They didn't understand his teachings, and, um, but, he, but he, as promised, came back to life again on Easter morning. It's not just a fairy tale that we read in the Bible. It's an historical fact that was verified by hundreds of witnesses on that first Easter morning. And it's been written about extensively in even some of the secular writings of that time period. In the words of Jesus himself, who's in John's Gospel, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Now that promise has given hope to uh, every generation of believers that this life that we live today is not all there is. And for those who put their faith and trust in Christ, life continues beyond the earthly grave. And uh, that life will continue in the presence of God himself. In recent months, especially um, even in just a few days ago in Kenya, we are witnessing Christians being targeted and even slaughtered for their faith in Jesus Christ. This is no small matter. What's happening in other parts of the world has already and will continue to come closer to home for each one of us who follow Christ. So I would invite us to do something just a little bit different as we begin today, and that is to take a moment of silent and individual prayer to remember the families of those killed this week in Kenya and pray for Christ followers everywhere who are being persecuted for their faith in Jesus. Let's take a moment of quiet prayer. 
Today we pray for your kingdom, your reign to come, your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray for your followers around the world, some of who are suffering greatly at the hands of evil. And as we celebrate eternal life today, help us to know that the abundant life can begin now. New life is given to each one of us when we invite you into our life. So come among us and call us to be about building your kingdom here on earth through love and through peace, through reconciliation and healing. For it is in the name of the risen Christ we pray. Amen. Someone once said that an intellectual is a person that makes simple things complex. And an artist is a person that makes complex things simple. If that's true, I submit to you that Jesus was and is the ultimate artist. This weekend, as you know, Christ followers have the opportunity to show the world the beauty and the power of God and what that what God has done in the person of Jesus Christ. Let's not forget that what this church is about and what every church ought to be about is pointing people to Jesus, the one who has the ability to give us all a chance to start over in life. Through his mercy and grace, we are given a fresh start and have the sure and certain hope of his spending eternity with God. See, the Easter story is unique. In the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, all the natural laws of nature are turned on end. Jesus' closest followers couldn't quite comprehend it, and it still doesn't make sense to a lot of people in our world today. It defies our understanding. Let me share with you the words from the Gospel of Mark about this Easter morning. Saturday evening when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just, as, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in white, a white robe, sitting on the right side. The women were shocked. But the angel said, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee, and you will see him there, just as he told you before he died. The women fled the from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. I remember um, a number of years ago riding a roller coaster called the Python at Bush Gardens in Tampa, Florida. And it was around the time that it was first installed. Now, I'm not a big fan of roller coasters, but it was one of the first coasters in the country that turned you, you know, upside down and inside out. And after the ride ended, I remember stepping off the platform with all the other people, and what was so weird is that some people couldn't get their equilibrium, they couldn't get their balance, they were falling. I was younger then and I could handle it, but if it were to do that today, I'd be dizzy for days. When I look back on it, though, it was a crazy thing to be going that fast upside down. 
You see, our bodies aren't made to remain upside down for very long. If we do, our heart has to work harder to pump blood to our legs and other extremities. The blood pools in the brain, giving us the possibility of having a stroke. So basically, if we're upside down for too long, we just might not survive. Now, many of you also know what it's like to be upside down, even for a few moments. You've ridden a roller coaster, or maybe you stood on your head, or you've done a flip, or a dive into a pool, or some yoga, or stretching, or crossfit, bungee jumping, skiing, skateboarding, something that for a short moment of time, you know what it's like to turn your body upside down. But have you ever thought about what it would be like to live like that, to live upside down, to see other people upside down? Everyone's feet would be where their head's supposed to be, and their head would be where their feet are supposed to be. It'd be kind of crazy. But sometimes we turn things upside down on purpose. To get the last bottle, uh, drop out of a bottle of water, we turn the bottle upside down. When we want to totally clean out you know, the drawer, we, we turn that upside down. Over the last several years in this economy, a lot of people have been upside down in their home values and other assets. To be upside down in that sense means that you owe more than the asset is worth. And I would argue today that our culture in many ways is upside down. What was once viewed as wrong is often viewed today as right. And what's right today would, by a different generation was often viewed as wrong. Today in many places it's wrong to talk about God and talk about faith in public but it's okay to talk about things that are contrary to the values that traditionally have held society together. One department store last year banned words like Christ and Christian, but it deemed it okay to use words like Allah and Jihad. Things are upside down. They're also upside down in government. We are as a nation $16 trillion in debt. Does anyone here really understand the full effect that upside, that upside down number will have on our economy for years to come. Relationally, a lot of marriages and families are upside down today. It seems like so many of the values that have traditionally held families and communities and even nations together are becoming more strained and even non-existent. And here's the problem, when we are upside down, we're not on solid footing. We don't have that firm foundation. When we're upside down, we have a perspective that's skewed. Now, the Bible tells us that our world today is upside down. There, granted, there are some great things that are supposed to be upside down, like pineapple upside down cake. That's one of my favorites. But by and large, the Bible tells us that our world is upside down because we have a sin condition. We have a desire to do our own thing. So basically, we take the canvas, that is, our lives, and we grab hold of the brush and the paints, and we do whatever we want to do. We paint our own portrait. We focus on pleasure and possessions, and we paint our self-centered path in life. But if we're not careful, we can ultimately paint ourselves into a corner. And what's so upside down about all that is is that we think at the time that we're painting a masterpiece, when in reality we're painting a disaster piece. 
See, all of the different things that we fill our life with, all the activities that we pile into our schedules and the substances we abuse to deaden the loneliness and the pain, the relationships that aren't healthy for us all contribute to living life upside down. And as almost every Christ follower knows, whenever we try to take control of our own lives, ultimately we make a mess of it. So our world is upside down and our lives are upside down and if the truth were known, there is a gnawing reality in a lot of us who are here today that we are among those who are upside down. Our equilibrium is a little off. Our feet aren't planted on a firm foundation just yet and we know deep down inside of us that something is just not right. Could it be that this Easter, God wants to turn our lives from upside down to right side up? Could it be that there is a power and a force and a love and a grace and a mercy so magnificent that it can take our messed up lives and turn them into masterpieces? Is it true that our great God can turn our inversion into a, a true conversion? Is it true that our great God can move us from being in a place where we feel like we're upside down to right side up? I believe the answer is yes. And just for the brief time that remains this morning, I want to comment on what it takes to move from being upside down to right side up. The book of Genesis in the Old Testament tells us that this world in its original condition was an absolute masterpiece. The color, the depth, the warmth, the beauty, the symmetry, the perspective was something to behold. And it was signed by God himself. But Adam and Eve, the first human beings, as we know, made a decision to go their own way and to do their own thing. And that's because God gave us the freedom to do what we want to do with the lives he's given us. And Adam and Eve basically chose to take control of their own life and paint their own picture. And due to, that fact, uh, due to the fact that we're made in the image of God, we have a choice. God chose to create us. He's given us the power to choose. The scriptures tell us that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. In other words, we're an artwork, one of a kind piece. We're each unique human beings. But people like us in every generation since the Garden of Eden have ultimately chosen to make a mess of our life. Morally, relationally, Physically, spiritually, although we have unlimited potential, many of us are living lives that are just one big mess, due in part to the fact that we've missed the mark, which is the true definition of sin. For centuries, God allowed the, his people to face the consequences of their mess-ups, and he allowed it to go on until the right time came in which he commissioned his son to put on human flesh. And Jesus lived among us and painted a perfect picture. Every stroke was significant. Every color was perfect. Everything he did became a true masterpiece. He was the masterpiece for our disaster piece. You see, Jesus lived right side up in an upside down world. People didn't understand him because they were upside down. Critics came from everywhere. Most of his friends and family didn't understand him. Even many of the disciples didn't get who he truly was or what he was about because they too were living lives that were upside down. And when Jesus was arrested, he was beaten, he was battered. When he hung on the cross, he said, it's finished. 
and he breathed his last breath. And everyone said, you know, well, this is a, this, he was a great guy. He called himself the Messiah, but it looks like he was just another man who walked across the stage of history who claimed to be God. Because the world of Jesus' day was upside down. On Good Friday, we are told that daytime became night, and unusual things happened all across this planet. The critics cheered. The disciples were frozen in fear. Judas, who betrayed Jesus, hung himself out of his guilt and depression. Simon Peter, the one who denied Jesus, went off fishing in total defeat. And the rest of the followers of Jesus, specifically Thomas, had some serious doubts. But then Jesus came alive. He did what he said he was going to do. He turned the world from upside down to right side up. The inversion happened. And the upside-down world, which had led to a perversion of justice, received a conversion. Simon Peter moved from defeat to being one of the most dynamic disciples in history. Thomas, after seeing the resurrection, moved from being a doubter to a difference-maker. And the church was established, and it literally turned the world of the first century upside-down, from upside-down to right-side-up. Now, for you and me, this same Jesus wants to turn our worlds from upside down to right side up. In the words of the Apostle Paul in Romans 3.23, everyone has sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glorious standard. And because of our mess-ups and the distance from a holy God, we need to be converted. We need to be turned from upside down to right side up. And Jesus is the only one who can get us there who will put the firm foundation again beneath our feet. Because Jesus takes all of our messes that seem so arbitrary and he turns them into something beautiful because of his death and burial and resurrection. Our lives are an abstract painting at best. Conversion means that we've given Jesus control of our life. But as a good painter, our Lord doesn't just grab the brush and manhandle us. He takes our disaster piece and he gently and ever so patiently turns us into a masterpiece. The Bible says that God even knows the hairs on our head. Think about that knowledge. A knowledge so intricate, specific, that God has about your life and my life. God sees inside of our soul, and yet he still loves us more than we can comprehend. He sees who we were, who we are, and who we will be. God also hears it all. He knows it all. He wants us to simply say, God, take the canvas of my life. Take the art supplies. I'm giving them to you. Make my life into something beautiful and something pleasing to you. Jesus always speaks the truth in love to us. He tells us that we're valuable, that we're lovable, that we're capable, that we're forgiven. And when we commit our lives to him, he tells us that we're set free from whatever else may have us in its grip. In John's Gospel, it says the Word became human and made his home among us. That the God of the universe, the creator of everything, would come to earth and live among us as a human being and experience what we've experienced seems like to us totally upside down. But it really is right side up. Jesus has been where we are. He totally and completely identifies with us, with every struggle we face, with every pain that we experience. And if we'll just give him the brush, 
God will use everything in our lives to paint a picture like we've never seen before. Here's what's so ironic, though. When we take control of the process, we quickly get out of control, and we find ourselves upside down. And yet when we give up that control and let God be in charge, then we're right side up. And again, when we're upside down, we have this distorted perspective on life. We're disoriented, we're limited, but when the conversion takes place, that's when we begin to get the right perspective. That's when we find balance. That's when we have the kind of spiritual equilibrium that God desires for us. And I think it's interesting that somewhere down inside the human spirit is that desire to take things that are upside down and put them right side up. I think about the woman who was caught in the act of adultery and Jesus wrote something in the sand as her accusers gathered around her to stone her and in that moment all the accusers walked away. Jesus turned her life from upside down to right side up. I think about Zacchaeus, a a hated tax collector who met Jesus one day and Jesus turned his life from upside down to right side up. He changed his life and, 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 and he was so changed he gave back all the money he had ever stolen from his clients with interest. I think about Lazarus who was a close friend of Jesus and died suddenly and Jesus turned his life from upside down to right side up when he healed him and brought him back to life. I think about the Apostle Paul who was one time a critic and one of the most hated, uh, hater, uh, biggest haters of Christians. And Jesus turned his life from upside down to right side up when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus and his life was giving new, given new meaning and purpose. You see, we all have this desire to be put right side up within us because we were created by God to be right side up. We're not made to live upside down. You know, some smartphones, I I like the way you can automatically take pictures and it just sort of turns and rotates that picture to to a visible image. I even ran across a website recently called fliptext.org where you type in a message and it turns it upside down for you. I have no idea why, I just thought it was interesting. (laughs) But you know, I think the reason that so many people are upside down is because we've never allowed Jesus to put us right side up. And the good news is that Christ has done the right side up thing. He's already made conversion possible through his death and through his resurrection. All we have to do is receive the new life that he offers. And that involves admitting our sin, admitting our failure, seeking God's forgiveness, and that conversion takes place. When we give God control of our life, then everything in our life becomes, starts becoming right side up. But the culture around you will still not understand. A lot of our friends and family may view it as still upside down because so much of our society no longer even has a category to understand people who are right side up. And to show you how the perspective is so perverted in our culture today, we tend to think it's very cool for every individual to decide for themselves what right side up is, which of course, aside from God, can never really happen. The resurrection gave us and gave our world the potential to be put back on its feet to truly be turned from upside down to right side up. And if we get that, and if we truly lived out that conversion, then we too could be among those who can help turn our world 
right side up. This morning, I want to extend two personal invitations to you. And the first one is to, to you, if, you may never have, if you're here today and you may never have received Jesus Christ into your life as your Lord and Savior. The writer of Hebrews says, so what, ma- what makes us think that we can escape if we ignore this great salvation? If you feel like you're here today and you're looking you know, from the outside in, I invite you to open up your life to Jesus Christ, to repent of your sin, to accept into your life the God who wants to have a relationship with you and give you hope and purpose. Before you leave this Easter worship service, I invite you to become a follower of Jesus Christ. Don't postpone that decision. The second invitation is to you that may have already at some point in your life made a commitment to Christ, but you're bored with life and you're bored with the church and you're feeling that need for a fresh touch from God, a new sense of vision or mission. You know, God has dreams of what he would like to do through you if you are willing. And if God is speaking to you today, respond to him, accept God's claim on your life to be in mission, some kind of service to others in the name of Christ. He has chosen to to transform the world through people like us. In an upside-down world, we serve a God who turns everything right-side up. And may that be our legacy today. Let's pray. God, whose love was revealed at a cross, whose power was shown at an empty tomb, our hearts fill up within us today at the thought of your presence. We know that we live too often on the wrong side of Easter, worrying about things that are trivial in the light of the resurrection of Christ. So forgive us for our lack of faith and teach us to live more daringly, more expectantly, more joyfully, and let the discovery of those first Christians that life is more powerful than death take hold of our minds and transform them into vessels of hope and excitement. Show us how our self-interest is so unworthy in the light of your eternal kingdom. And grant that we may become agents of change in a world of hunger and poverty and injustice and ignorance. And may the spirit of resurrection be contagious among us so that we may honor our risen Lord by actively serving others in his name. Grant that this day the name of Christ shall ring out in every nation and be received by hearts that are searching for the truth. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.